wonderful to be able to you know, go all over the place and run in and be part of a family. Um, some of you I've got to meet, uh, and, and you've introduced yourself uh, to us, and uh, just in case um, not everybody uh, got to, to meet me, my name is Rick Cole, and uh, I am uh, from St. Joseph, Missouri, and go to Central Christian Church, and this is my wife, Dana. Uh, the, the, she was the uh, woman sitting next to me. And, uh, but uh, um, uh, I... For, I was on staff, actually, at Central Christian Church before uh, my family and I moved up to South Dakota about 20 years ago now, and we stayed up there 16 years and came back, and now I work uh, part-time as a chaplain at Mosaic uh, uh, Life uh, Care. And uh, uh, we are just really excited for, uh, for you and for Tim and uh, Rita and praying for them for because... Uh, uh, that's where, you know, Tim just needs to be, uh, and uh, you, you found that out. And they're really great friends of his and of ours, I mean, and uh, had a, a great privilege of serving as an elder with him. And uh, uh, Rita and I have kind of adopted each other as brothers and sisters because our immediate family is all, has all passed away, all gone to the Lord. And uh, so, um, so uh, they've been very close, but we're really excited for them. And uh, and uh, look forward for what's uh, gonna God's gonna do over here in Troy, uh, and continue to do in Troy. Uh, and uh, so anyway, it was um, a privilege for me to come. Uh, and uh, I had the Sunday off. I had the Saturday night before the Sunday off. So uh, it really worked out pretty good. I, a couple times I'd been asked, but uh, sometimes I work on Saturday night and it bleeds into Sunday, and then I, sometimes I work on Sunday day and uh, not able to do that here. So um, let's, let's pray uh, before we begin. Our Father, we thank you that you have brought us here, gathered together, brothers and sisters, children of yours, servants of yours, uh, your co-workers, and um, your... Um, uh, church to uh, bring uh, light and bring truth and uh, bring the way to the world through Jesus Christ and by the power of your Holy Spirit. I ask, Father, that you would uh, guide me and may my words speak uh, the, wor the words that you want to be said uh, from your word and that I'd be faithful to it. And we all pray for open ears and uh, be ready to hear what the Spirit wants to hear and is saying to the church today, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you take your Bibles and turn to um, Luke chapter 16, uh, we're going to look at verses 1 through 13. And when you, when you come in and kind of uh, fill in for somebody, and, and I don't know what, what, uh, what series they're doing, and uh, so I just kind of, I, I, I picked a, uh, a passage of Scripture that, was kind of in the flow of the of the calendar and the flow of my uh, of some of my devotional reading and wouldn't you know it I picked the uh, the parable of the shrewd manager one of the the most uh, one of the difficult parables that Jesus taught one of the kind of enigmatic ones you know and uh, one of the ones people have always scratched their heads and said what is this about and what is Jesus trying to teach us and uh, and um, as I was reading through that, I was saying the same thing. But let me read that uh, for you as a whole, verses 1 through 13, Luke chapter 16. 
And um, because, right, this is just on the heels of ones that we really understand. Some of my favorite ones, especially, uh, it's the parable of the lost sheep, parable of the lost uh, coin, and then, of course, the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. This comes right on the heels of that. And we know why he, 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 uh, he preached those. Uh, because the question was asked, why does this man hang out with sinners? And uh, by the Pharisees, and so um, uh, Jesus answered, speaking to the Pharisees, who were actually the older brother in the parable of the lost uh, son, uh, the father's heart for those who are lost. And then, um, uh, right on the heels of that, as Luke has arranged his gospel, uh, we have this one, <laughs> and uh, but I, I think there's some things that we can learn from it. Uh, otherwise, Jesus would not have taught it. Um, and Jesus, he's ta- talking to his disciples now. Okay, he's not talking to the Pharisees, and that's always important when we look at the 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 special. Well, any place in the Bible, who is the audience that's being addressed? Um, and in this sense, it is the disciples, those followers of Jesus that he has handpicked, and by way of their uh, passing the message of the resurrection, the message of the gospel down through history, speaking to us. Uh, so Jesus told his disciples, there, are, uh, uh, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of, of wasting his possessions. So he called him and asked him, What is this I hear? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do? My master is taking away my job and I'm not strong enough to uh, dig and I'm, not, uh, shame, and I'm too ashamed to beg. Um, I know what I'll do. Um, well, I, I know what I'll do so that I, when I lose my job here, people will welcome me in their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors, and he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? Eight hundred gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it four hundred. Then he asked the second, How how much do you owe? And a thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. And he told him, Take your bill and make it eight hundred. And the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in their dealings with their own kind than are the people of the light. And I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed in eternal dwellings. Whoever shall be trusted with little can be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. So if you have not, have you been trusted with, uh, been worthy, trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, you will trust, uh, be trust you when, uh, with true riches. Uh, or if you have not been trustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you uh, property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Well, I tell you, the reason why, as I, and as I, again, reading this again, the reason why this is kind of a difficult one is that um, 
first of all, um, Jesus' kingdom usually, or parables, is, is trying to tell us usually something about the heart of God uh, or telling us something about the kingdom. And as we look at the, in this one, the main character is a dishonest servant. And he's a lazy servant. He has and and uh, he's uh, he hasn't been keeping the debts or been keeping the books right. He's been keeping them wrong. So he's dishonest. He and, and he and he's he's not trustworthy. Another difficult thing is is Jesus kind of incorporates some other things that he said other places. You know, if if you can't be trusted with much uh, or little, how can I trust you with a lot? Um, and then he also says, no one can serve two masters. Uh, one can either love, one's going to love God and uh, love one and love and hate the other one. And you can't serve God and you can't serve money. And he said that before too, I believe in, uh, in uh, Matthew chapter, uh, 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 I think chapter 19. But uh, um, so he, he's kind of, bringing back some teaching, which is probably a good thing to do to his disciples and to us, is to bring back things. But usually the parables are taught as a whole. And so, um, you know, is Jesus praising dishonesty? Well, I think that we can then say no. <laughs> well, then what's he saying? And um, one of the key parts of this, this uh, scripture, other than the other ones, is more connected is this key of the people of this world are shrewder than the people uh, uh, of the light. Now, why is that? Why is that? And um, there's a lot of attempts to try to interpret this, uh, this uh, parable. And uh, uh, one of those is uh, we should be smart, okay? Uh, we should be smart. Well, that's not a bad advice, but um, I, I think that's uh, a little uh, short of what Jesus is saying. Uh, it's also been interpreted that we should know the right people. You know, uh, it's not uh, what you know, but who you know. You know, that old phrase... We should know the right people. If you know the right people, you'll get the, you know, you'll get the position, or you'll get the job, or, 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 or so on, whatever situation it is. But that doesn't really seem like, to me, I don't know about to you, that doesn't seem like something that would come from Jesus. I really don't see Jesus uh, too worried about knowing the right people. Or he would have coveted the favor of either the Pharisees or the Sadducees, uh, you know, the, the Roman government, anybody, you know, and uh, of course when you are the right person, you don't look for anybody else to be right. You know, in Jesus' case, he is the right person. But I don't see that as, as know the right people as advice of those who follow Jesus Christ <coughs> into this world um, uh, to make known uh, who he is and what he has done. A little closer one, um, I think, and it has some merit, and it certainly is true, is that we should be faithful in small things. We should be faithful in whatever God has given us. And I think that that has merit, and that's closer to maybe what Jesus said. But um, 
I think there's a couple of a couple of other things that Jesus is trying to get across, you know, and I and and uh, um, and I pray that that I'm not I'm not off the beam here. I want to go back to that that scripture. He talks about the people of this world, and and I like uh, one version: the children of the world and the children of light. The children of the world and children of light. Um, what is Jesus trying to encourage us as children of light to pick up from those who are of this world? One, one of the most overused, and I like it, one of the most overused uh, movies that has been used to uh, explain what kind of the whole message of what what the you know the the conflict that we're in the gospel the enemy that we face uh, over the years has been the Matrix with uh, Keanu Reeves. Uh, that's a movie that um, is not made by Christians, and I'm not talking about number two and number three. Those are pretty worthless. Um, except for the action part, but they're pretty worthless. But I'm talking the first one. The first one really, really grasps sometimes better than we do uh, because I think they're not afraid to explore it. Sometimes I think that as Christians, we our, our, our attempts, uh, until lately, we're doing better, our attempts to enter into the world of uh, the culture of uh, uh, movies, of literature, of, uh, uh, of different means of, of encountering our culture, uh, has been one of this, draw away from it. Draw away from it. Until about, uh, not too long ago, well, several years ago, a, bo- a writer by the name of Bob Briner wrote a, a book called Roaring Lands. And he talked about the fact that Christians, followers of Christ, children of the light, have created a vacuum in the very areas that sometimes we condemn. The arts, the uh, literature, movies. And the reason why we condemn is because we've withdrawn our influence from them. And he was the roaring lambs is the fa- of, are those people who have stayed in those areas to try to bring the light and um, into it. And it doesn't mean that the, it's just making a movie that's overtly Christian, um, like the War Room, which was a good, great movie, good movie. Um, uh, God's Not Dead, one and two. Those are good things. But I'm talking about uh, working with movies within the system because it's within the system that we have to infect with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that leads me to my first one, is that when we look at this dishonest service servant, I think the children of light can learn from the children of this world initiative. Is that we need to take initiative. We used to take initiative all the time. All the great artwork, all the great paintings, all all the great literature that has come down through history 
has been um, uh, attributed to those people that, in, uh, that at least confess Christ as, as, as Lord and Savior, as Christians. Hospitals. Uh, uh, William Wilberforce, uh, a British uh, part of par- Parliament, uh, started when he was 20, and it took him 27 years about to abolish the slave trade in, uh, in England and to, to abolish it. And um, uh, so he, you know, just all of that used to come from Christians, but for some reason we, we pulled ourselves away and we lost our initiative. And one of the things that this dishonest servant had, whether he was dishonest or not, was initiative. You know, he said, what am I going to do? And he came up with this plan to get himself out of trouble. And I don't, it doesn't say I don't, if he got his job back or not, but uh, chances are he did because he was commended, commended for it. But um, uh, one of the things that, that I think Jesus is saying is, um, let's have initiative. Let's, let's, let's take the lead. Let's take the lead in areas of our life, in our culture, in our town, that um, uh, can best honor Jesus Christ. A lot of times, the church, uh, and because the church is made up as people, the question that we need to answer is, in this question of initiative, is have I brought the very best I have to do the kingdom's work? Have I brought the very best? Have I taken the initiative to bring what God has given me, whether that's talent, whether that's finances, whether that is influence, have I brought the very best have I brought my best and my strongest abilities, including initiative, for kingdom purposes? A lot of times we get so busy that our kingdom involvement, well, I'm just too tired. <laughs> you know, I worked all day, and I know that's true. I worked all day, I just, I just don't have the... I'm too tired to come to Bible study. I'm too tired to come to church. I worked the night before. I know what that's like now. <laughs> and, uh, um, but, the que- but the question is for you and for me, do I bring my best? Do I bring my best to do God's work? My best effort? Or do I bring my best effort? Do I give to those things that are not kingdom work, that are not part of what Jesus is doing, not Jesus himself, and then what I have left over, I give to Jesus. Consider how persistent. Um, you know, I, I, I get these, and I keep answering them. I get these phone calls on my phone. You know, and I think, well, I don't know that number. It's kind of close to a number I know, and I always answer it. And it's somebody with some, you know, selling something, you know, some kind of credit score thing. And 
Look how persistent they are, you know, um, in, in, the, in the world of politics. I was hesitant even to mention it. Um, but look how persistent. They are persistent. They will go after you continually, continually. Are we that persistent in reaching out to people for the gospel? I was told one time, I read some time, that it takes seven encounters with someone who's not a believer to get them to come to church. Now that doesn't sound very like very much, but I tried it one time when I was working with college students, and I just visited the same student seven times. That's a long time, you know. At at four, you're getting real sick, <laughs> you know, because for 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 anybody probably for for college student. Well, no means no, that's for sure. No, no means no and don't ever come back again. <laughs> maybe means no. And I'll be there. Yeah, I'll be there tonight. Means maybe. <laughs> um, I don't know what, what they would say if they were said yes. You know, they just, uh, you know, uh, they would, I guess they would say, yeah, come pick me up. I'll be on the corner outside of my dorm. I don't know. And I told our students that. I said, you know, when you, when you invite somebody, it is going to take more than one time. It's going to take more than two times. It's going to take more than three times or four times. The statistics say seven times. And it, when you get to that, that's a, that's a lot of times. But that's initiative. The world does it. The world does it. They throw ads in our face. They continually see ads to our door. They uh, uh, do things. So uh, they continually do um, uh, initiative. Initiative. Do we have the initiative that before we read or spend as much time reading our Bible as we do the paper, listening to the news? Do we take the initiative to seek God's face? Do we take the initiative to listen to Him speak? And that means sitting still. It's not a five-minute read a devotion, thank you, Lord, for this day, and go. We cannot listen. We cannot know what God is saying with that amount. It's good that we even do that. But we need, do we take the initiative at least each day to spend a time where we cut out um, a place in our lives where we can encounter God? Do we take the initiative to, be, uh, to reach out to our community? Do we reach, uh, take the initiative to um, go into areas um, that where, where there's people in poverty? Do we take the initiative to go overseas on mission trips, short-term mission trips? If you'll know, if you've had a chance now, uh, over the many weeks to talk to Tim at all. You know, besides preaching and working with God's people, uh, and, and his heart is uh, those people in Juarez, or Anapra is where he's going. That mission in Anapra, he's been there, I don't know how many times now, 20-some times. That's his heart. That's his, you know, and, uh, and he's taken the initiative to become involved in that. And... Um, He'll probably take the initiative to get many of you involved in that too. Because <laughs> that's just part of his heart. That's part of his heart as a servant of the gospel. And so, um, one of the things I think that we can learn from the, 
this honest servant was, let's take the initiative. Let's not sit back and let the world uh, take and steal people from us that need to hear a message of truth and of love and forgiveness. Also, a message of, uh, uh, of, of, of God's judgment. We need to take the initiative there too. Sometimes we've fallen back there. And also, the other thing I think that uh, we can learn, first of all, just to be, uh, let's be initiative, uh, have initiative in our own faith, in our own coming together as Christians, our going out into the world, um, but we also have, um, we can learn about drastic actions. We take drastic actions to deal with certain things. Well, we've talked about this um, quite a bit, uh, some of us, and wondering why, and I'm talking about the church as a whole, and, and where is our power? Where is the power of the church? I will go, I will come and I will send you another and he will be like me and he will come and, and when you receive him, he will give you power to be my witnesses into Jerusalem, into Judea, into Samaria, and into the whole world, even through a prisoner named Paul to the very heart of Rome itself, to the very heart of the most powerful empire in the world. We have, uh, we have uh, Moses, who is a shepherd, and in his years of youth, of uh, what we would say, you know, from 40 to 80, are gone. They've been as a shepherd. And he is used by God to bring down the most powerful nation in the world, Egypt. We have a man by the name of Daniel who was brought when he was probably 14 years old back from Jerusalem as it fell and uh, brought to Babylon as a teenager, the most powerful city in the world. And he serves for over almost 70 years, rising to the rank of prime minister, never, never, ever denying the God of his fathers. You will not say one negative term, you know, uh, uh, mention about Daniel, which is quite a bit to say, other than Jesus, Abraham, father of our faith. But there's a couple of things in his life that didn't go so well. He told a lie a couple of times. Yes, Sarah's just, my wife's my sister. <laughs> you know, because he was afraid he was going to get, uh, uh, maybe get killed because they'd want her. And uh, David, who is the, the, the um, uh, sign or the embodiment, not the embodiment, but at least a, a foreshadowing of Jesus the Messiah the king of Jerusalem, the most powerful city in God's kingdom at that time. And he, he fell. But it was through him that Jesus was born. It was through his line. 
And over and over and over, we're talked about this power that God has given the church and that God has given that, that, that the Roman Empire, not always for good, but, but it was because of the influence in around 300 to 400 A.D. made Christianity the state religion, which was a bad idea. But the fact is, is that Christianity basically conquered the Roman Empire. Less well-known are drastic measures. We all celebrate St. Patrick's Day, okay? What, what's St. Patrick's Day all about in, in our culture? Green and beer, okay? Green and beer. Green is, is okay, you know, but Patrick was a, um, was a young man and born in Ireland, uh, was uh, uh, pretty wealthy, uh, kind of got tired of the religion of his parents, kind of went off on his own. He was captured by uh, uh, Vikings. He was made their slave. Um, he eventually escaped, and he, was, he had a vision of God, um, and uh, from God, and God told him to go back minister he said your ship is waiting for you on the coast and this was not a close walk it was a drastic measure that patrick made he went to the went to the coast there was a ship he, he sailed it back into the norse countries and witnessed to those norse kings converted one of the barbarian uh, kings and uh, um, uh, of the picts and just what I'm saying is that these people took drastic measures, and that's why we see the power of God flowing through the church. Flowing through the church. A man by the name of Thomas Cahill wrote how the Irish saved civilization. And it was that they, they saved all the writings, and they saved all the... the uh, the art, and they saved all the good things that came in when, when all these people that conquered uh, Rome uh, took over. And, uh, and, and Celtic or Irish uh, Christianity is, 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 is a lot different sometimes. It's, it's very gentle. It's, it's very in tune with the uh, uh, creation of God. And, uh, but, it's, but they took drastic measures. And I wonder, does the church willing, are we as individuals and as church willing to take whatever it takes to do the work of God? And I think, and I know in my own life, uh, answering no to that question restricts the power of God to do what He wants to do. You know, we look at the kingdom parables. We see the treasure in a field, right? The guy who would go back and sell all he had to buy. He found a treasure in a field. He took drastic measures. And this is about seeking the kingdom. These are kingdom parables for sure because Jesus says, what can I compare the kingdom of God like? It's like a man who found a treasure in a field. And when he found it, he buried it. He sold everything he had and bought the field and he had the treasure. He sold everything he had. A drastic measure. There's the pearl of great price. Again, this man finds this pearl. 
you know, and, and, and he goes to all lengths to obtain it. Um, and so, and, and those are from Jesus. If, um, and so Jesus is saying the kingdom is like these things. It's like people taking drastic measures to obtain something that is so precious and so real and so true that they'll do anything to get it. Is that you and me? Is that the church in the world today? In some places. In some places it is. And in those places, the church is endued with power. When they kicked all the missionaries out of China, when uh, Mao Zedong came in, um, of course, you didn't hear anything from them for years and years and years and years. The borders were open again. They thought, boy, the Christians, you know, they're going to be uh, hardly any. And all they found out there's about like uh, 500 million. <laughs> and they just started from people going to these house churches, building these house churches here and here and here and here and here, all over the country. They didn't need us. They didn't need foreign missionaries. They just took the drastic step of faith to say we will, under any circumstance, stay true to our Lord Jesus Christ. We will teach, we will disciple, and we will share the gospel. And they came back and uh, the church was very vibrant. In fact, the church in, in, in the, the East in Africa and in South America is 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 growing crazily. These people take drastic measures. They take drastic measures because they've got nothing else. What about repentance? What about repentance? Are we drastic about our repentance? Do we take our repentance seriously? Jesus says, if your eye offends you, what's he say? Pluck it out. That's pretty drastic. That's pretty drastic. I mean, he wasn't talking figuratively, but he was talking drastically. If your arm, if you're right, and he says right eye and right hand offend you, what do you do? Cut it off. And it's specifically right. For that, the idea is that the right hand was a strong one. The left, people who were left-handed, there were a lot of different strange ideas about a left-handed person. And I don't know, is anybody left-handed? That's not a biblical concept, but uh, that is a, um, uh, some things that came on. But the right hand, we are set at, because we're set at the right hand of, of God, at the right hand of God was the place of power. And that's where Jesus sets, and that's where we set with Him. And so Jesus Himself says, if, if you have sin in your life, and there's some things I could mention, you know, there are, there are, some, there are some terrible things that have captured um, both men and women. You probably know what I'm talking about. And it is making the church weak. I'll just go ahead and say, the area of pornography. If I had to see one thing, that is bringing us down. Bring us down. And it's not unchristian people. It's non-Christian. It's Christian men and even Christian women. We need to drastically repent. 
drastically repent, whatever it means to pluck out my eye, cut off my hand and that for that particular issue, and that's not the only one. The church has, has always had to be drastic, and sometimes it hasn't. It wasn't drastic at the first about slavery. It wasn't drastic about civil rights. Kind of flowed along with the culture, but there were a few, there were a few that were drastic, and they paid the price, but they were imbued with the power of God. That's why in the preaching of the gospel in those first days that they were drastic. They, they preached the gospel right in the middle of Jerusalem, right where everything went down in those weeks of Jesus' trial and crucifixion and His resurrection. 4,000 one day, 3,000 the other day. Drastic measures. Drastic measures. We command you not to preach the gospel. And uh, Peter and John replied, we do not know, you know, all we know is we must obey God rather than man. That's drastic. Am I willing to say that? Though it costs me something? If we look at Paul, um, in Colossians 3.5, put to death therefore whatever is in your earth, was earthly. In other words, kill it before it kills you. It's not a case of beating ourselves up over our sin because we know that when we go to the Father, if we confess our sin, He is faithful to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all righteousness, right? He loves us. He loves you in the midst of your sin, in the midst of our sin. He loves you so much. That's not the issue. The issue is not beating ourselves up but it is about taking the initiative, and here's where I want to close. It's about taking the initiative and doing whatever it takes or drastic measures to put ourselves in a place where God's power can flow freely through us. It's taking an initiative and taking whatever drastic step we need to take, if we need to take it, I'm not saying everybody does, but most of us do, so that we can place ourselves in a position where God can, His power can freely flow through us. He can use us. This morning I want to ask you, and I ask myself, um, am I in the position to respond? Have I taken the initiative? Have I taken any, any step that, that, that may have to be drastic to place myself in God's greater initiative in sending Jesus to us with the good news message? That was, in fact, we are here because God took initiative and He took drastic measures. He sent His Son he worked with people. He, he, he worked with the Israelite community. He worked with his disciples. He worked with Christians. He took that initiative. The whole Bible is about God's initiative of reaching out to those who disobeyed him 
to try to and uh, to restore them. And he took a drastic measure to do that. He took his son, Jesus. Jesus placed himself. He preached the truth. And he was crucified on the cross to put us in a position where God could work through us. Took away our sins. So God himself is the author of initiative and he's the author of drastic measures. And he wants us to be too. Are you at a place now where you're in a position, I don't mean that you're perfect, everything's right, but, but your heart is the general direction of your heart is the general direction of my heart going in the direction where I am placing and you are placing yourself in a position where God can now come freely through us and work? Or will He go somewhere else and work? I hope today that if you need to repent, you repent. If I need to repent, I'll repent. If, I, if, if there's someone you need to reach out to or a, a ministry you need to start, pray that you take the initiative. Pray that we would take the initiative at Central and in our own uh, personal lives too. Um, would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the initiative that you took um, and the drastic measures you took to complete your purposes. You ask us as children of light to be at least as smart and as wise, but wiser than the children of this world. They're not afraid of initiative. They're not afraid of drastic measures. And for bad. And for the enemy. How can we do less than take initiative for the king? To take drastic measures for the king? Whatever that may look at. Our Father, by Your Holy Spirit, we ask You to place ourselves, place us, in the position in our hearts so that you can flow and work through us and guide us to where you want us to be. Uh, Thank you for your word. May it uh, change our minds and hearts today and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen.